It's the 31st of August in the year of our salvation, 2009, and this is Father Z with another podcast. We welcome as our guest today Thomas Akempis, a German mystic who died in 1471. We will hear from his famous spiritual work, The Imitation of Christ. And then I will ramble for a while about temptations, what they are, how to overcome them, and also about our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Imitation of Christ is a work of Thomas Akempis, who died in 1471. He was a German monk, a mystic, uh, one of many mystics that were in Germany at the time, and he was the author of uh, various devotional works, certainly The Imitation of Christ, the Imitatio Christi, is the most famous of them. Uh, the book's title comes from the heading of the first of the four books, um, De Imitatione Christi et Contemptu Vanitatum, Concerning the Imitation of Christ and Contempt of Vanities, of Vanitas. Vanitas was a very important theme in medieval spirituality. You think of the Latin word uh, Vanitas, it, gives, it means empty. And we have in English vanity and, you know, when you do something in vain, it's empty. And when you are vain, you are that much more empty because you're full of only yourself. Uh, this was a very famous or very important theme in medieval, uh, medieval thought. And uh, it was coupled often uh, in, in artistic works with symbols of man's own accomplishments, uh, all uh, surrounding, for the most part, a skull. Just to remind you that you are going to die and all these other things that might dazzle you or pull you away from God are actually empty things. And remember that you should die. So the vanitas vanitatum, from Scripture, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Oh, emptiness of empty things, everything is empty. Uh, this was often uh, accompanied by the theme memento mori. You know, be mindful. Remember, you're going to die. So keep in 
mind that you might just be putting some created thing in the place of God. So the imitation of Christ and contempt for the empty things of the world is the first book of this uh, work by Thomas Akempis, and it became the, the title. And it was clearly intended for those who live in religious life and religious communities, probably in a more contemplative setting. But it's still very, very useful for the average Christian. Uh, it's a very famous work of the spiritual life. And it's helpful for you know, the, average, uh, the average person to take stock of his life, uh, to discern maybe if he's putting some material or created thing in this place. It's very helpful uh, to read it aloud, even just a little bit. And we're going to hear a little bit right now. In the section we're going to hear, it's found in the Office of Readings for today, which is Monday in the 22nd week of Ordinary Time in the post-conciliar calendar. You can keep your ears open for how the writer of the imitation says that there are a couple of ways in which the Lord will visit us Keep in mind this word visit. Visit has a connotation of finding out what the state of a thing is. It comes from the Latin word to see. So you look and examine a thing to see what its nature is or to verify something that uh, it is supposed to be or that it isn't, it should be. And so, for example, every once in a while the church has a visitation of some institution or uh, or a diocese. In a diocese, the diocesan bishop will have a parish visit, a visitation, in which he comes to inspect the church and make everything is in good order, and he takes a look at the books to make sure that everything is right. In other words, he comes to check everything out, to see what is going on in order to discern the truth of the thing. And in our little section today, we were talking about the day of visitation. God comes to impose something on us. Now, most of the time, uh, this visitation, the day of visitation, has a negative connotation. Something is going to be imposed at the same time as our nature or character is being determined. And the way that God does this, at least in this little section of the imitation of Christ, is he visits upon us, in other words, imposes upon us temptation or consolation. Now, consolation, obviously, is a very great gift. Um, it It's not something that we can count on always in the spiritual life, but they, consolations do come from time to time. But temptations come an awful lot more frequently in our fallen nature. But temptations can also be a gift to a certain extent because by overcoming temptation, we can become stronger in God's love. So God will permit certain afflictions and visit upon us certain things in order to test us and to increase our love. And another point uh, you might want to attend to in this little reading from Book 3, Chapter 3 of The Imitation, is uh, the writer's statement that we who seem to be on the right path, and you know we really shouldn't take that for granted, um, but we who seem to be on the right path, uh, tend to take less pleasure in the things of God than sinners take in the empty things, the vanities of the world. So there's something having to do with the intensity 
of our love. We have to ask ourselves, well, you know, we say we love God, don't we? But how much do we love God? Are you ready to love him to the end? And this is something that uh, the writer of The Imitation is trying to bring home to us. Uh, what is the, what, with what kind of love do we love God? So uh, without any uh, further comments, let's hear now something of The Imitation of Christ. And this is from Book 3, Chapter 3, written by Thomas Akempis, who died in 1471. E libro de imitazione Christi. Audi, fili, verba mea, verba suavissima, omnem philosophorum et sapientium huius mundi scientiam excedentia. Verba mea spiritus et vita sunt, nec humano sensu pensanda. Non sunt ad vanam complacentiam trahenda, sed in silencio audienda, et cum omni humilitate arquimanio affectus suscipienda. Et dixi, Beatus quem tu erudieris domine, et de My son, says the Lord, listen to my words, the most delightful of all words, surpassing all the knowledge of the philosophers and wise men of this world. My words are spirit and life, and cannot be comprehended by human senses alone. They are not to be interpreted according to the vain pleasure of the listener, but they must be listened to in silence, and received with all humility and great affection. And I said, Blessed is the man whom you teach, Lord, and whom you instruct in your law. For him you soften the blow of the evil day, and you do not desert him on the earth. The Lord says, I have instructed my prophets from the beginning. Even to the present time I have not stopped speaking to all men, but many are deaf and obstinate in response. Many hear the world more easily than they hear God. They follow the desires of the flesh more readily than the pleasure of God. The world promises rewards that are temporal and insignificant, and these are pursued with great longing. I promise rewards that are eternal and unsurpassable, yet the hearts of mortals respond sluggishly. Who serves and obeys me in all matters with as much care as the world and its princes are served? Blush, then, you lazy, complaining servant, for men are better prepared for the works of death than you are for the works of life. They take more joy in vanity than you in truth. Yet they are often deceived in their hope, while my promise deceives no one, and leaves empty-handed no one who confides in me. What I have promised I shall give, what I have said I will fulfill, 
for any man who remains faithful in my love unto the very end. I am the rewarder of all good men, the one who rigorously tests the devoted. Write my words in your heart, and study them diligently, for they will be absolutely necessary in the time of temptation. Whatever you fail to understand in reading my words will become clear to you on the day of your visitation. I visit my elect in a double fashion, that is, with temptation and with consolation, and I read to them two lessons each day, one to rebuke them for their faults, the other to exhort them to increase their virtue. He who possesses my words yet spurns them earns his own judgment on the last day. Scribe verba mea in corde tuo, et per tracta diligenter, erunt enim in tempore tentationis valde necessaria. Quod non intelligis cum legis cognosces in die visitationis, Dupligiter solio electos meos visitare, tentatione silicet, et consolatione. Et duas lectiones eis lego cotidie, unam increpando eorum vitia, alteram exhortando ad virtutum incrementa. Qui habet verba mea, et spernit ea, habet qui judicet eum in novissimo die. from the Imitation of Christ, Book 3, Chapter 3, by Thomas Akempis. Great work of the spiritual life, a good tool for your spiritual life. And uh, I think we should go back just for a moment to this issue of temptation. Uh, keep in mind that temptations themselves aren't always sins. You know, people will get into the confessional and say that, you know, I was tempted to do this, I was tempted to do that. Well, it's not clear always to the priest that the person actually fell into the sin. Because you see, you can have a temptation, and then if you resisted the temptation and didn't fall into the sin, well, that's a meritorious thing. Having the sin, having the temptation isn't always a sin. But you see, if we have bad habits or vicious habits, and what I mean by vicious is that it is a vice, uh, a bad habit. Uh, these bad habits or vices can make you fall into sin when you face temptation, make you fall into sin more easily. 
we have a wounded nature, don't we? And our habits, uh, our appetites are very hard to control. But if we have a bad habit, it is that much harder to resist temptations. And there are some things that we can do to overcome bad habits. You know, when you get into a confessional and you confess your sins, you're supposed to have a, a firm purpose of amendment, right? You're supposed to be saying that I don't want to do this anymore. But, you know, it's very difficult to get rid of a habit, almost impossible to get rid of a vice or bad habit, simply saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. In order to get rid of one habit, you have to really drive it out by another habit. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to stop. And in order to get rid of it, therefore, you have to have some kind of plan. First of all, you have to know that you have the habit. And so real honest self-examination is very important, along with real brutal honesty. And this means that you have to study yourself to find out who you are, what your patterns are, what you actually do, why you did it, you know, what happened along the way that led you to that point. And so a daily examination of conscience, or examination of conscience, I think, every evening, is very useful for this. It's critical, really. You have to look at yourself day in and day out, every evening, looking at what you did that was wrong or what you avoided doing that you should have done, carefully considering the circumstances, being brutally honesty, honest with yourself about why you did something or why you did not do something. And pretty soon you'll get to know yourself a little bit better if you don't, and if you don't know already, really, what your habits are. You start to find them, what you're liable to do in, in the circumstances that you face every day. You find your weaknesses, your principal fault, and you can't get rid of these things unless you've actually determined them and told yourself that that is what they really are. And as I mentioned before, it's very hard to get rid of a habit simply by saying, I'm not going to do you know, X anymore, fill in the blank. Uh, you'll usually fall back into the sin. To get rid of a habit, you have to try to replace it with another habit, and that means having a plan. Saying to yourself, next time, instead of doing X, I'm going to do Y instead. Have a plan so that that other thing can be your, become your new habit. And so when you're sorely tempted, and the, even the devil might be making it very, very hard for you to to resist because remember the devil can stir up your your appetites and your memories uh, you will know what you can do you'll have a plan you won't be completely uh, without uh, some sort of resources and some of these resources can be for example in that moment reminding yourself of the sorrow that you had when you committed the sin the last time Another resource can be having with you a crucifix, just taking the rosary out of your pocket and looking at the crucifix for a moment. Remember Christ's sufferings for you. Remember that this is also being fought on a spiritual level. The, the devil is like an adversary, like an, a lion prowling around seeking whom he might devour. And so remember that you can use sacramentals such as holy water in your struggle against that part of the process of temptation. And I think this is a very important thing. 
you have to be willing to suffer. You have to get your head into a place, you know, get into a mental place where you're, you are willing to suffer. When you deny yourself something and you experience a temptation, you're suffering to a certain extent. You have to be willing to do that and then join your sufferings to those of Christ and offer them as something perhaps that he didn't have a chance to suffer for you, joining your sufferings to his. And so to overcome the temptations, you know, you have to be smart. You have to recognize what they are and who you are. You have to plan in advance. Go ahead and use sacramentals. That's what they're for. And then be willing to suffer. You know, remember, you know, we're, you know, none of this is, none of this is a joke. We are at war. We are in a state of spiritual war and it's constant. We are in this world, in this veil of tears, as one of our most famous prayers calls our state in life. We are members of the church militant, not the church relaxing or the church comfortable or the church complacent. We are members of the church militant. And so we have to uh, keep clear in our minds that as members of the church militant, we have a hard road and there are enemies. And so we seek to help each other in our love of neighbor. And we help also the members of the church suffering through our prayers and through our good works, which are actually God's own works that he crowns within us. And we also have to depend on the help of those who have triumphed already, and they are in the church triumphant in heaven. We can ask for their help. But we do not belong to the church comfortable. We have enemies. Uh, you know the classic distinction, I'm sure, of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, we've talked about the devil already. The devil is a mighty foe, very insidious. Uh, but even more insidious to a certain extent is, are these other two, the world and our flesh. You know, when I say our flesh, I mean our, our fallen nature. You know, the results of original sin include wounds to our nature, to our intellect, to our will, our habits, our, our appetites are very difficult to control sometimes. Now, we are out of harmony with the rest of the material universe in many ways. Uh, the devil, the, an invisible enemy, is certainly someone we have to be aware of, aware of his existence and what kind of uh, influence he can have on us in temptation. But, you know, uh, to a certain extent, you know, our real enemies hide in plain sight, don't they? And so I I think that our human nature and the world around us, our, our visible enemies, to a certain extent, are even more difficult to overcome because we have these difficult appetites and, of course, things that can develop into habits. They strong, you know, they're just within us. And then there is the prevailing world around us, which includes the dominant culture, what society is doing right now with its prevailing norms. It's very easy to get sucked into thinking like the rest of the world does, to go along, to get along, to go along even with what is sinful, because lots of other people are doing it, and you, the incessant pounding on us, pounding on us from outside about, uh, you know, this or that prevailing you know, fad or norm, things that are at times 
uh, profoundly uh, against human nature and against the, the positive law of God as well. So in our wounded state, because of the fall and through the promptings of the devil, we can be deceived into deceiving ourselves that what is evil is really good. So we have to be wary as members of the church militant at all times. We do have enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And God will visit us with trials. Uh, He'll permit certain things to happen to us to strengthen us. We will be tempted at times, and in the temptations we can be strengthened. In the consolations that he permits us to have, we can be strengthened, and we can be sources of consolation to others. We can also be sources of temptation to others, can't we? So remember that we are all in this together, we members of the church militant. And God would not lose a single one of us. He's going to offer us all the path that we really need in order to come to heaven. But we have to choose on our own to walk on that path. And so, dear listeners, remember as a member of remember as a member of the church militant, make your choice and walk in God's path. And he will help you. And he offers you uh, many, many graces. And be in the state to be able to accept them especially by going to make a good confession, a good thorough confession of your sins, so that you can receive all the graces that God wants to give you in this church militant. With that, I think I'll wrap this up. Uh, I needed a simple project just to kind of get me back into this podcast thing. I've had a, it's been a long time since I've made one. Uh, I have had lots of computer problems since I was last with you and basically had to redo everything in the computer that I used for the podcast. And, uh, therefore, I had to rediscover all my settings and and uh, reinstall applications and basically figure out how I used to do these things. And uh, at the same time, I was also just a little bit burned out and didn't have much to say. But uh, maybe now I'll do some of these podcasts a little bit more often if you are interested in what I have to say. So until next time, uh, please do me the great kindness of praying for me as I will pray for you. (laughs) 